Welcome to Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dom went from a life of organized crime to federal prison. There, God saved him and set him free. Soon after his release, he attended seminary and received his master's degree and is now the senior pastor of Desert Sky Baptist Church, where he serves with a passion for biblical theology right here in Casa Grande. Now let's join our host, Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dominic Grimaldi here with Street Talk Theology, where we take theology and we bring it to the streets. Welcome, Pastor Grimaldi at Gmail. And you know, I got my brother with me, Pastor Michael Teddy. And I always want to have him introduce himself and let you know what they're doing down there in India. And uh, and then we'll, uh, there was a recent Supreme Court decision. I don't know if anybody heard about it, but we're going to speak a little bit about that and get the worldview of, of our brothers and sisters in India and see what kind of reaction that's causing. Uh, with no further ado, let me give you Pastor Michael Teddy. Pastor Michael, what's going down? <clears throat> if, <laughs> hi, if, if uh, nobody has heard of the Supreme Court decision, then we have to be living under a rock. Uh, we, we felt the tremors here in India. How's the church doing, Pastor Mike? What's happening down there? The, the church is doing well. Um, so uh, God's been good to us. Uh, we, we've we been meeting uh, physically for the past few months. Uh, of course, we started meeting physically quite late. Uh, COVID cases here were uh, predominantly there till, uh, you know, the beginning of this year. Uh, and it's been, you know, it's been kind of difficult for us to... Um, be able to meet because we meet in a we meet at a home uh, we have about 20 to 30 people who come and so god has been faithful and so for the past few months we've been just enjoying the time together fellowshipping and so so if any one of you uh, comes down to india please uh, give us a call we'd love to have you and it's just wonderful yeah you go, you guys can send for me i'll go down there i don't know i might take me a few <laughs> weeks to get down there though um <laughs> You know, I, I think about this, you know, the wheels of providence, the wheels of providence, sometimes they, they operate slow, but when they operate and when they come to fruition, God speaks. And I think um, the wheels of providence were grinding slow here, but I think that the God in his providence in his sovereignty, I think, I believe, went to bat, for choice of a better words, for the unborn um, here in this recent Supreme Court decision. So I, most good, sound evangelical churches were so gracious to be able to have a voice for the unborn, but As we see in our society here in America, not everybody was on the same page for that. Um, But I, and again, we can exchange worldviews here, but I am so interested, and I believe the people listening, I would be really interested to know how India has taken this landmark decision. Because one thing you've always taught me, Pastor Michael, in, in that sometimes 
India is somewhat behind the United States uh, as far as things catching up in worldviews and, and, and other issues that eventually it gets to where it, it gets to you guys sometimes years later, but eventually it does. So my question here for you, and I, I, I hope for our listening audience that would want to know, where does India stand with this decision? Is it, is it met with mixed emotion? Is it mixed? Is it met with um, good theological thinking or no theological thinking? Or Now, I know how your church stands, for sure. And maybe you can start there, but maybe you can move to the culture because I'm really interested in it. You know me and Pastor Michael, we don't rehearse none of this stuff. We say a topic and... You know, we say, hey, you know, this is what we're going to talk about. And, you know, as Spurgeon would say, let providence bear the blame. Right. So speak to this issue uh, to us here in America of how this landmark decision at as a Supreme Court has affected the worldview of India. If so, if it has. Pastor Michael, may I in- indulge in that? Absolutely. I um, so. So it's it's not a topic that's you know that's quite often spoken about in the public square uh, in India, at least among churches, among church folk. Um, sadly enough, abortion and uh, the fight for life, um, you know, it's not a topic that's commonly preached about. It's not a topic that's commonly addressed, and you will have Christians falling on different uh, parts of the spectrum. There will be those that uh, are against it. There'll be those that don't really have an opinion about it. And there are those that, you know, would be for it. Uh, One thing is for certain that the predominant, the the current generation that's, um, that's rising to power, right? The next, the the next generation that's going to be ruling India uh, consists of a lot of people that are extremely influenced by the Western culture uh, and Western thought. And so what the predominant thought in America uh, is, is, is pretty much the predominant thought among young people in India. And so they have not taken the Supreme Court decision well. Uh, and so you know, you get to hear a lot of those discussions today in India, which I don't think you'd have heard before. But to give you a, a kind of a statistic, um, in India, it's, I think, uh, I was reading a study, and, you know, this is, when it comes to numbers, we really can't be sure about the precision of that. But uh, in 2015, it was estimated that in that year alone, 15.6 million abortions took place in India in one year. That's that's 15.6 million. Our population is huge. And so abortion rates are going to be very high here, you know. And uh, but in in India, it's you have a social stigma, a cultural stigma. That's not quite the same as it's up there in the U.S. Right. So a majority of these abortions are unknown. They're hidden. They're kept from society they're not they're not spoken about and so 
you don't have a lot about this discussion going out on the public square. But the sin of abortion is pretty much there all over India. And uh, now that the American Supreme Court has, uh, you know, made this decision, it's definitely opened eyes across the world, especially in India, where, uh, you know, every government is going to now think about this issue. And so before there could be any similar decisions being made in other parts of the world, the people are going to stand up immediately and try to take, you know, a position, a stand on it. And sadly, in India, even among the Christian circles, there's not a strong enough worldview among many that, you know, they don't see this as uh, the right to life of the unborn. They see it as the right to choice of the woman. So um, from a cultural standpoint, it's not up out there in the public square, but the whispers are growing louder and the conversations are beginning. So if I'm understanding, I mean, this correctly, so even um, obviously in the public square, you know, you would you would deem it to be, you know, my body, my choice, so to speak. That's kind of the cliche we hear in here in, in America. But now you're telling me even in the churches, they are kind of siding maybe with the culture a little bit. Am I hearing that right? I know your church is not. You know, because I, I we we've I, that I know for sure, and I, I want to put that on the record. But are you trying to say even the, and I want to be careful here. Are you saying even some sound churches that maybe that you would um, say fellowship with? And and I'm not I'm not trying to put anybody on spots here, but maybe with sound theology they would also. Um, not agree or not really take a solid stand um, for the unborn? Is, is, that, is that a fair statement? Yeah. So, uh, so I'd put it this way to bring more clarity to that. We have a lot of churches that are liberal. We have got a lot of churches that are um, extremely um, left-leaning, um, uh, you know, social justice, women pastors, all of those kind of stuff, right? And uh, in those circles, uh, those churches are more influenced by culture than the word of God. And so naturally they cave to the pressure. And so this is something that's not, because it's not something that the church addresses, uh, it's really left for every individual to decide for themselves. So that's what happens. You know, if you don't bring it up as a church decision, a church, a church position, there's freedom for people to choose how they want to stand on the issue. And then if you look at the more conservative churches, uh, what we call the more traditional churches, where, um, you know, you, the foundational theology of the gospel uh, is, uh, is there and churches like that, what begins to happen even there, because the topic is not specifically addressed, they are in a better place, more or less, because they do frown upon abortion. But then they don't have a concrete enough worldview generally to uh, address the issue when it comes to the edge cases, right? When you talk about issues of rape or you talk about issues of incest, you talk about issues of um, pregnancy outside of marriage and things like that, or, or a teen pregnancy, let's say. Um, they don't have necessarily a strong enough worldview 
that's going to say abortion is wrong at those points. Or even if, you know, what they what they call quote-unquote quote that the uh, fetus is not viable, meaning that the baby could be born with uh, deformities or um, a certain sickness. Uh, and in these cases, uh, you know, a lot of them are okay with abortions uh, because they are exceptional cases. And um, so, so as long as the church does not take a stand on the issue, it really depends upon the family, the individuals, uh, the, the, the pastor or the elder or whoever, or the minister who is uh, leading them at that point. Um, so, it, you know, it's, as long as you don't take a stand on it, it's really flexible. So it really depends on them. Yeah, you know, when I was listening to John Harris the other day, I want to be careful. I want to try to quote correctly, but I was listening to John Harris and he was saying that, you know, because science is, and I want to be careful here too, but science is actually coming up and saying that from the beginning, this this is a child. And, and, and it's getting to the point where, you know, the women don't even care about that. In other words, even if, if you can prove to them that this is a child, the choice is more important than the human being that's in that person's body. And that, you know, because you always would have the thing or the argumentation of, well, it's not... Uh, human it, until it reaches. And then again, we know that as Christians not to be so. And, and I believe at even the earliest part of, of humanity that, that, that pain can be felt and, and things of that nature. But now, again, if I'm listening, if I heard John Harris right, that even if to the point of women hearing that this is a human being, it's still about their choice over the human being. And that, that's a sad day. We've reached a sad day. It is, it is. Uh, in fact, um, so I, I follow uh, Jeff Durbin a lot um, with the end abortion now and their ministry and uh, how they go out into the streets and they converse with people. And it's, and it's sad to see that even if they are able to prove that, you know, that the baby in the womb is alive, uh, the women respond with, uh, without remorse uh, to say that they have the right to kill the baby. Um, you know, and it's, and it's saddening. Um, and so it's, it's just uh, uh, the, the root of the problem is deeper than a logical rationale. This is uh, what they are trying to do is not logical. What they're trying to argue for is not rational. What they're trying to argue for is irrational. It's uh, illogical. And at the root, it's coming from a hatred, a hostility towards God's authority. Mm. Uh, this is really a hatred towards submitting to God's rule. This, the, the whole argument is rising from an inherent rebellion that is unwilling to submit to God's law and God's rule. Um, and so for a, from a woman's standpoint, when they're, you know, I was just thinking about this, when they, 
when they say that my body, my choice, uh, we are told, uh, for example, in the Bible that, uh, uh, that our body is the temple of the living God. Right? Our, we are taught that our body is not our own. Amen. <laughs> uh, right? And the whole point of that is, no, you don't get to decide uh, by your own, own authority what you do with your body. You have to be submissive in stewarding your body, recognizing that this is God's instrument. This is what God uses. In, in the Christian worldview, uh, we have men and women and even children who have laid down their lives for the gospel. They, they, they give up their bodies for the sake of the gospel. Um, we are told to love one another. In fact, Jesus said that uh, the one who lays down his life for his friend, greater love has no one than this. That's what we're taught. The, the whole crux of the Christian worldview is the Christian offering up his body to the service and sacrifice of the Lord for the glory of his name. My point. body, right? So my body, my choice is just not biblical. It's, it's God's instrument and we submit to God's rule. And then beyond that, you don't get to choose for the body that is within your body. Right. You don't get to choose uh, what to do with the life that's within your womb. Um, God's made the world. God God has made the world in such a way that uh, the strong defend the weak, uh, the warriors fight for the weak. That we we stand up for those who can't uh, defend themselves. We stand up for those who can't fight for themselves. Who you know who can't speak for themselves and that's yeah. the nature of the christian worldview and we've got babies in the womb that are unable to um, to speak up and and fight for their right to live and this is fundamentally the christian's duty to stand up for those that are being murdered you know this is a great you know this is you know as you were saying that i, I was i know that we wanted to uh, speak about on our next segment. I know we're going to do two segments here about um, a woman teaching and pastoring and stuff. And we're going to get into that in a little bit, not not on this segment, but the next one. But I, I was what what you were saying really was starting to resonate about that God has made us stewards. We've always been stewards from the beginning. Now, obviously, Adam kind of dropped that ball, and we know that, but we are stewards. And when you were speaking about it, it just hit me, and I just put down my Bible. I was trying to look for the passage we were going to talk about in the next segment. You just hit me about, it just hit me about who is, who, what steward are we dropping the ball in the stewardship to, to come alongside the unborn, the ones who cannot speak for themselves? I mean, how much have we dropped the ball as a church and how much have we acquiesced to the to the culture where we've lost our stewardship? I mean, you know, this is a God ordained child in the womb. It's a human being made in the image, the imago Deo of a of the living God. And here we are. We want to waffle on these 
on these premises. We want to, you know, have one foot in the culture and one foot in the word of God. And when you were saying that, we are failing in our stewardship. We are failing in what God has given us to steward. Now, obviously, you know, um, we think about, you know, being good stewards over the earth, and, and that's important. But what about good stewards of the unborn who can't speak for themselves? I think that's a really profound point, Pastor Michael. And I think, you know, I don't, and, and I'm telling you, I was just looking at, the, I know what we're going to get into in, in the next segment about women teaching. And I was looking in the, you know, the first Timothy text. And when you said that, and we got about five minutes left here, and I, I want you to, 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 to maybe uh, piggyback off this because it's your, but when you said it, it really, you know, we have a stewardship. I mean, the unborn cannot speak for themselves, but God has got people representing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the spokesman for the church, in the church, who's always, you know, carried out the things of God. So we, when you have people in church that should be sound theological churches waffling on this issue or conventions, whether it's the ERLC or people that just want to try to be in the middle, we, we've, we've hit a dangerous place here. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, last Sunday, I was uh, preaching here at the church. I was preaching through Psalm 139. And uh, it's one of my favorite Psalms. And uh, in Psalm 139, uh, David talks about how intimately God is acquainted in his ways. And I was talking to the church about, um, about how, uh, you know, David talks about the Lord. And he says, you searched me and known me. You know, when I sit down, when I rise up, you, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search me, uh, you know, you search out my path. You're acquainted in all my ways. So David's talking about how intimately involved God is. And I was telling the church, I was teaching them about the, you know, the anthropomorphic language of scripture, which is Very good. that the yes. scripture speaks in a humanly relatable way, you know. So I was telling the church, you know, God doesn't need to search me to know me. He doesn't need to search out my path. He knows my path. He doesn't need to do any of this. What David's trying to do is he's trying to use humanly relatable language Amen. to help us see how intimately it looks. So David's trying to say, look, this is kind of what it is like, but it's so much more. You know, and it, it, God knows me in such a way, it was as though he searched and knew me thoroughly, right? And he's trying to show just how deep God's knowledge is of him and how intimately God is acquainted in his ways. And uh, when he does this in, in Psalm 139, in the first section, he talks about God's intimacy and in the second section, he talks about how far reaching it is because he talks about where can I flee from your spirit? Can I go to the ends of the earth? Can I go below the oceans? Can I go up in the heavens? Wherever I go, even if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Wherever I go, you are there. So not only are you acquainted in my ways, uh, acquainted with me, but wherever you, wherever I go, you're there. 
you never leave me. Your right hand is always there for me. So it's talking about, about a God who's so intimately acquainted, so intimately affectionate, so intimately involved in the life. But the third section talks about when this intimacy began. When this intimacy began. And so that third section, David tells us, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. Praise the Lord. Praise it began within the womb. And even there, it's an anthropomorphic language. God's not knitting us together in the womb. God's not, you know, he's not sitting there knitting us together. But David is saying, God is so involved with my formation within the womb. He says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. God has put me together with such detail and affection and involvement. That's where his intimate acquaintance with me began. And he says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was in the womb. And that is the God we serve. Yeah, praise the Lord. And we got to cut the, you know, I, I when you were talking about that, about that uh, uh, anthropomorphic, um, anthropomorphic language. Anthropomorphic language. You know, Spurgeon said that God talked to, God talks to us in baby talk, you know, because, right. you know, so I, uh, yes, yeah, so that's, that's, uh, that's an interesting, okay, so we're out of time here. So we want to now, so we want to look at this, um, now we want to bring it to the church as far as women ro uh, women ro women's roles in the church. We want to talk about that next. But for now, this is Dominic Romaldi, Pastor Dominic Romaldi with Pastor Michael Kenny. Um, as we take theology and we bring it to the streets and we'll be back for the next segment and we're speaking about uh, should women be pastors in Jesus name. Thank you for joining us for Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Romaldi. You can visit Pastor Dom at Desert Sky Baptist Church at 891 West Corson Road, Casa Grande. And for more information, visit us online at www.desertskybaptist.org.